Who do you think you are? I hope you can say with me today that I am an overcomer. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. My name is Bill Walker, one of the pastors here. Um, indeed, we're picking up this series. We're going to uh, finish it up next week. And then the week after that, we're actually going to have a dedication of uh, this new sanctuary as well as a Back to Church Sunday prep day, all in, in getting ready for Back to Church Sunday and all that happens on that weekend. So this is my first chance to kind of stand here in the new digs. I really like this place. I go away for a couple of weeks. I come back and bam, it's all new. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I like the carpet. Uh, it's cool. I like the chairs. How many people like the chairs? Yeah, 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 yeah. We like the chairs. How many would like actually big cup holders? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we would all like that. How about popcorn in the lobby? No, it's okay. We're not going to go there right now. Uh, but yeah, we like the chairs and, you know, the acoustic treatments. We, we have really just gotten them up. I have a friend that I'm going to be calling hopefully this next week. I'll talk with the guys in the sound room about coming in and actually sounding out the room to get maximum potential out of those. So we're still in process. But my favorite part, my absolute favorite part of the renovation is actually the book rack under your seat. Because in the book rack under your seat, everyone now has a copy of the ESV scriptures. Not that the ESV is the ultimate best version, it just happens to be the one that we use here as Grace Church. Which means that if I ever want to read kind of reflective reading without putting it on the screen and making everybody kind of duck through everybody else to see it, I'm just going to ask you to take out those nice, easy-to-read black Bibles in front of you. It's hard to reach way under to grab what's under your seat, so just reach out in front of you and take it off the chair in front of you. In fact, why don't we practice that right now? Reach to the chair in front of you and take the nice black ESV Bible in your hand because we're going to do a responsive reading together, and this allows us all to be on literally the same page together. We're going to be looking together today at Psalm 46, Psalm 46, for those of you who would like a little help, it's page 471, page 471. So do find your place, and in just a few moments, we're going to responsibly read Psalm 46 together, and I would really like to have a response, because if you don't respond, it's just me reading every other verse, and it doesn't work that way. So find your place, 471, and in just a few moments, we will tackle that together. But before we do, I would like to kind of look into this term, being an overcomer, an overcomer. What does that even mean? Well, let me draw your attention to the scriptures, and we will do that repeatedly throughout the morning together. We are going to be bathed in the word of God today. We're going to let it cascade over our lives and cleanse our hearts and our minds and encourage us, I pray, in our lives. But let me just show you a few of the scriptures that help to clarify what it means to be an overcomer. This one comes from Revelation, the last book in our Bibles, Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. Notice what it says. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying. Now, anytime you hear a loud voice coming out of heaven, you should stop and listen. So... This loud voice coming out of heaven says this, Now, 
finally, now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. And all God's people said, oh my goodness, even so come, Lord Jesus. It isn't quite here yet. We're in the already but not yet time frame. But notice what it says. The accuser, Satan, the accuser of our brothers and sisters in Christ has finally been thrown down. Hallelujah. The one who accuses us day and night before our God. And they, we in Jesus, have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. There's our special word. Our special little word, conquered, is the word overcomer. Now, let me give you a little understanding of what this word means. Um, if I could show you the original language, it would look like this. It is the word Nike. How many have Nikes on? How many have Under Armour on? Come on, John. How many have Under Armours? I, 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 Under Armour's taking over Nike these days. But, that, but the word in the original language is the word Nike, or the word that we use today, Nike. And the word literally means to be victorious, to prevail, to conquer, to vanquish. And yes, the word has the idea to overcome. And so it is in Christ, through his blood and the testimony of trust in him, that we Nike in this world, that we overcome and are victorious in this world. Let me show you just how much the writer of Revelation, his name is John, the Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, of, of those followers of Jesus, the original dozen, John was perhaps the closest one to Jesus on earth. And he loved this term throughout the book of Revelation. So let me show you a few other instances where this word occurs. And if you're taking notes, this will help you. But allow me to simply quote for you from these verses. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7 says this, and it's actually Jesus speaking. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many have ears? Okay, six of us, eight of us have ears. How many have ears that hear? There's a difference. We all have ears, but not everybody hears. So listen, it says this, to him who overcomes, Nikes. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. That's awesome. Revelation 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How many have ears? Okay, six more of us now do. That's good. We all have ears, but not all of us have ears to hear. So listen. It says this in Revelation 2, 11. He who overcomes, he who Nikes, will not be hurt at all by the second death. Wow. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes Nikes will be dressed in white, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life, but I will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. This is good stuff. 
This is good stuff. To be one who overcomes is one who has the right to eat at the tree of life in the paradise of God. The one who overcomes is one who will never be hurt by the second death, which is the eternal destruction. Uh, the one who um, Nikes or overcomes will be dressed in white, and his name will be written in the Lamb's book of life, and he will be acknowledged before God the Father and his angels. Uh, Revelation 3.12. To the one who Nikes overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes Nikes, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, says Jesus. Just as I have overcome and I sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation 21 and verse 7, he who overcomes Nikes. He who overcomes will inherit all of this heaven, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Ow! I hope you desire to be an overcomer. Because all these blessings come to those who overcome, to be victorious, to prevail, to conquer, to vanquish. All of this belongs to those who overcome. Well, how do I become an overcomer? How is it that I can appropriate this truth so it's true of my life? Well, it just so happens the same guy who wrote the book of Revelation, John, also happened to write the Gospel of John, but also three little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, found towards the latter end of our Bibles. And he tells us in 1st John chapter 5 exactly how to be an overcomer. Here we go. I hope this is you. Because all these things are awesome for those who are overcomers. And this is what he says. For everyone who has been born of God, what? Nikes. Everyone who has been born of God, Nikes, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that what? Has overcome Nikes, the world, even our faith. Those who come to the end of themselves. Those who turn from their way, their truth, their life unto the one who is the way, the truth, the life. And by repentance and faith, wrap your arms around him in love. He who is it that overcomes the world it's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is what it means to be an overcomer, friends. An overcomer is one who is victorious in Jesus because he is the victorious one. And in him, all these truths belong to you by faith. So there's all kinds of glorious truth. In fact, it's even more glorious than this if you actually look elsewhere in the scriptures. Jesus Christ on the cross overcame death, hell, and the grave. He vanquished Satan, and he is the victor. And we in him are victors too by faith. And we don't, we're not just Nikes. Notice what it says here, Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a good question. Will tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword ever separate us? And the answer in verse 37 is what? No. No, you've got to say it with more conviction. Will it, will it ever separate us from Christ? No. There we go. Thank you. You're getting it. 
No, in all these things, notice, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what he did in the original language, the Apostle Paul, is he put together the word hooper Nike. It's like uber victorious. That's what it means. We don't just overcome. We are more than overcomers in Jesus Christ. Hooper Nike means more than a conqueror, decisively, overwhelmingly victorious, to dominate to the point of vanquishing beyond recognition. Super overcomers. That's who we are in Christ. This morning, I hope you own that. I hope you sense that in your own heart. But what I want to do more than just say, thank you, Jesus, that someday this all gets to be true for me. What I want you to do is I want you to understand that this eternal, this positional truth is meant to affect our Today, practical experience. You see, it's not just that we will be overcomers in Christ, but the reality is today in Jesus Christ, whatever you may be facing, whatever is coming up against your life, whatever may be overwhelming you, today in Christ by faith, you can be an overcomer. You have Psalm 46, I pray, open in your lap. Well, we're going to responsively read Psalm 46 together. And from this passage of Scripture, I want to show you the practical application of having a God who is victorious in our daily experience so here we go. We'll simply do this. Psalm 46, page 471. I'll read verse 1. You'll read verse... Oh, I'll read verse 3. You'll read verse... Okay, I think we've got it. So here we go. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's right, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The Lord of hosts, which is God's military name, the God of armies, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I hope you're ready. Let's pray, and then we're going to run into this text and let it just enrich our lives. 
Father God, thank you for the privilege of your word. We have no idea just how powerful it truly is. With the word, you spoke everything into existence. And even in this portion of scripture, we discovered that you will utter a a word with your voice and the earth will melt. Your word is ultimately powerful. My prayer, Father, is that your word would have power in our hearts and lives today. May your voice speak to us. May we have ears to hear your word. May we have hearts to trust your Christ. I pray in his name. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Well, here we go. I want to help us to practically apply the issue of being an overcomer or being a victorious one in Christ in our daily experience. So, to do so, we are going to kind of look our way through Psalm 46. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to take notes. If you do not have a copy of the ESV Bible, please, the one you're holding from under the seat, make it yours. Write your name in the front of it because there's a few others here that look very familiar, similar to it. You don't want to lose it. Write your name in it and start making notes in it and bring it each week. Don't leave it there because somebody else is liable to take it. But make it yours and own it. So here we go. Psalm 46. When it comes to this issue of being an overcomer, we need to understand that I will not be afraid no matter what happens. That I will not be afraid no matter what happens. That I will not be afraid. Say that with me. I. I don't think you're convinced. I. Why? That's it. In Psalm 46, we have this beautiful scene that's all set for us to show us the power and the beauty of our God. Notice with me what it says. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Now, actually, those words refuge and strength can actually be combined together to have the understanding that we have a strong refuge. If you happen to grow up in mid-America, in places where tornadoes are a common thing, uh, there's a good likelihood that nearby you would have had something called a storm shelter. It's a little underground place that you would run when the threat of a tornado would come. You would get your whole family down there. You would seal the doors. The tornado would scour the land. You would come out, but you would be safe. That's the understanding here. God is like a storm shelter in the tornadoes of life. That's what it means. Another thing would be like a bomb shelter. Thank God that we aren't doing all these drills all the time and and running into bomb shelters every time the siren would go off. But for years, that was our, our experience. But when the enemy comes and they're dropping bombs, you run into the bomb shelter, and while it devastates the land, you're safe and secure below ground because you're in the bomb shelter. There's a man by the name of Martin Luther I don't know if you've ever heard of him, the great reformer, the German reformer. He wrote some off, you know, little little song called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Ever heard of that one? That came from this psalm. And so what he is saying is this, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a storm shelter. He is a bomb shelter. He's a mighty fortress. Is our God a bulwark, never failing? That's what it's saying here. God is worthy to find your help 
in by faith. So he goes on to say this, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, if you have your ESV Bibles, you'll notice there's a little footnote down there. The, the words uh, very present help can actually be, be out there as a, a uh, let me make sure I get this correct here, that he is a well-proven, a well-proven uh, help in trouble. In other words, God has stood the test of time repeatedly and always protecting those who by faith run to him and trust in him. And what that means is, as we run by faith to God, and God proves to be faithful, we run by faith to God, and God proves to be faithful, we run by faith to God, and God proves to be faithful, that means God's faithful, right? So this is our God. So, so uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna be afraid. Because when I trust him, no matter the tornadoes of life or the storms of life or the hardships of life or the difficulties of life, he's always proven to be faithful, sure and secure in the storms. This is our God. Now, now I want you to notice what the psalmist does here. So he starts out with this basic statement. You know, God is, is a mighty fortress, if you will, and he is a well-proven one. Now, therefore, kind of goes back to that previous statement, therefore... We will not what? Yeah, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. Yeah, but what if the earth gives away? <laughs> uh, what if the mountains move into the very heart of the sea? What does that even mean? <laughs> that sounds really bad. And though its waters roar with foam, it sounds like they're fermenting, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. What the psalmist is doing is he is giving the most horrific circumstances you can imagine. He's talking about earthquakes and mudslides and the potential of a tsunami which actually foams and takes the mountains away. <gasps> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Selah. That's a poetic pause. It's in the original. Uh, we don't know exactly what it means. We think it has something to do with the musical structure of the Psalms. But the word we take today to mean pause and think about it. Pause and think about it. You know, um, I actually spoke from this portion of Scripture a few years ago now. And it, it happened to be on a particular Sunday. It was Sunday, September the 16th, 2011. Does anybody know what happened on September 11th, 2001? Yeah, 9-11. 9-11 happened on the, uh, the Tuesday of that week. And so along about Sunday, I remember it. Uh, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, it was a horrific thing. Everybody was just beside themselves. I was actually at a church over in Virginia, and, and it had that eerie sense where you stepped out and there were no noises, no planes going overhead. And everybody was wondering, where's the other one coming down? Ultimately, it came down in a cornfield in, in uh, Pennsylvania. But I remember the, the, the awesomeness and the fear that was on everybody's hearts and lives. And so this was the portion of scripture that I was led to share from on that day. And so that Sunday, looking back on the Tuesday, not really aware of all that was happening, I said this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help and trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though planes fly into buildings, though buildings crumble to the ground, and though war breaks out and the economy fails, we will not be afraid. Why? Bingo. You see, this reality, this reality of the victorious nature of Jesus Christ on the cross, this reality of what Christ has won through his work is not meant to just affect eternity. It's meant to affect today. It should, it should change our attitude toward everything. When people are running around losing their heads, believers in Christ with this truth should be keeping theirs. I'm not worried. I'm not upset. I'm not afraid. Why? Because God is faithful. He is a well-proven fortress in the storms of life. No matter how bad it might get, no matter how difficult it might become, nothing changes the very nature of our God. We are more than an overcomer in Christ because God is faithful. He will protect us and only give us that which in his love and grace will see us through for his glory. You know, um, the Jews, God's um, people of the Older Testament times under the Old Covenant, the Jews, do you think they ever really had hard times? Do you think they ever really kind of struggled with stuff? Do you think they ever really kind of got down you think they ever looked around and saw all the enemies and thought, this is not looking good. I guess, I guess if you're Jewish, you would say, hey, that's not good. That's not how it's supposed to be. This is not good. What are we going to do? Well, there was actually a place that the people of God in Old Testament times would turn to for encouragement. And it was an encouragement that would help them to understand just how great their God was. And it was a reminder to them of God's faithfulness. If you have those Bibles still, we're working the scriptures this morning. If you have those Bibles still, join me in Psalm 136. Psalm 136. You see, Psalm 136 is what I would call the pep rally psalm of Israel. When they would get down or get a little, a little uh, weary or become a little overwrought or become fearful because of the enemies, this is where they would turn. Because it reminded them of their covenant faithful God. Now, I want to read this with you. We're going to kind of do a little bit more of that reflective reading. Uh, I'm actually going to give you a little cheat sheet here. Um, there is a repeated phrase, uh, his steadfast love endures forever in Psalm 136. Um, the steadfast love is the Hebrew word hesed, hesed, which actually refers to God's covenant faithful love for Israel. And so they knew that in covenant relationship with God that they really had ultimately nothing to fear. I want you to hear how I think this would have been used in the gathering of the people of God back then. And I think it still has merit today, value today for us. So what I'm going to do is I will read and then you're going to say, say it with me, his steadfast love endures forever. Okay, I think we've got our parts here, okay? So I'll read a part, and then I want you to respond to me 
how you think a Jew who truly understood the covenant relationship that was with God uh, would have responded. Here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. You don't understand. Give thanks to the God of gods. No, no, no. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. You're not getting it. You're just not getting You're reading words back to me. You're not getting the attitude that's really going on here. You see, there's a German commentator by the name of Leopold who says about this psalm, he says, this is not just Jewish confidence. It's actually about cockiness. You don't understand. We get God. What do we got to worry about? And so what we need to do is now we need to really respond as though we got God. There's nothing to worry about. You see, they had the Old Testament arrangement with God through the covenant of Moses, but today we got something so much better. We've got the new covenant through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. So respond like that. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's kind of pick it up a little bit. Let's kind of get the attitude working, a little bit of cockiness going on. Here we go. To him alone who does great wonders. Yeah, you're getting it. To him who by understanding made the heavens. Oh, to him who spread the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. Okay, here we go, here we go. We've been looking at God the creator. Now let's look at God the victor. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt. Come on. He brought Israel out from among them. Come on. His strong hand and his outstretched arm. He divided the Red Sea in two. He made Israel pass through the very midst of it. He overthrew Pharaoh in the midst of the sea. He led his people through the wilderness. He struck down great kings. He killed mighty kings. Shion, king of the Amorites. Og, king of Bashan. And he gave their lands as a heritage. A heritage Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. He rescued us from our foes. He gives food to all flesh. Say it with me, verse 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Ha, hubba hubba. You know, this is, this is the kind of the way the Israelites felt about their relationship with God. What have they got to be afraid of? God, the living and true God is our God. And he is faithful even when we're not. So, I don't know what God has going on in your world today, but I just want you to know that ultimately 
I will not be afraid. Say that with me. I will not be afraid. One more time with whatever it's in your life that's challenging you. I will not be afraid. Why? You got it. You got it. You got it. Okay, Psalm 46, verses 4 through 7. Next, I want you to know that I will not give up. I will not give up. Say it with me. I will not give up. Why? That's it. Because God is with me. Notice with me uh, verses 4 through 7. Of this powerful psalm, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. He goes on to say this, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. He's referring to Jerusalem. The holy habitation of the Most High, the temple of God, was in the city of Jerusalem. God is in the midst of her. Notice that. God is in the midst of her. Now, it's fascinating to me that he refers to a river being in the city of of God. You know, in antiquity, in, in antiquity, way back, the great cities of the ancient world were all built on rivers. They were all built on rivers due to the issue of fresh water, due to the issue of irrigation, due to the issue of transportation. All the great cities in antiquity were built on rivers. But Jerusalem wasn't. In fact, Jerusalem was built in the heights of the mountains. It sat 2,400 feet above sea level. And what the psalmist is saying is this. They all got rivers, but we got the river. The true river that flows from the throne of God. This is the true stream of blessing. And while they had no river to give them commerce, no river to give them irrigation, no river to give them fresh water, they had God. And it was God himself that sustained the people and their very lives. God was with them. And because of his presence in that city, the city of Jerusalem was invincible when they placed their faith in God. He miraculously would protect them. So... She shall not be moved. That's the city of Jerusalem. God will help her when the morning dawns. In fact, the nations can rage. The kingdoms can totter. He utters his voice and the whole earth just melts. The Lord of hosts, this is God's military name. The covenant faithful one of the armies of heaven is with us. The God of Jacob is our mighty fortress. Think about it. Selah. Think about it. You know, there is a story that people believe is associated with this part of the scripture. It's an actual incident that happened in the history of Israel that many people believe is being referenced here. And it's a story that's found over in 2 Kings 19. 2 Kings 19. So allow me for just a moment to set the stage, and then I'd like to read a little bit of 2 Kings 19 so that we can see Why, though the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, uh, God simply utters his voice and the earth melts, but he will not let his city be moved. This is a story about the king of Assyria. The Assyrians in that day, in in 2 Kings time frame, that, that day, the king of Assyria was 
the greatest king on earth. They had the greatest military might and the largest extent of territory. The king in those days was a man by the name of Sennacherib. Sennacherib. He came to Jerusalem in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and he was going to lay siege to the city of Jerusalem, and he was going to take it. And we have in 2 Kings 19 and verse 10, the words that Sennacherib sent to Hezekiah, warning him he better not resist. These are his words. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Ooh, be careful, man. When you start, start going against God, man, it's never good. He said this, Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Question mark. Have the gods of the nation delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed? He goes on to say a few more choice words. And it says this, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah in Jerusalem received the letter from the hand of the messengers. He read it, and then he went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. So here is Hezekiah in the temple. He lays out this letter of threat, and he turns to God in faith. Notice God's response. Remember, a mighty fortress is our God. Here is the response that God gave to Hezekiah concerning the coming uh, siege. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the covenant faithful one, concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. In fact, by the way he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into this city, declares the covenant faithful one. For I will defend this city to save it for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Verse 35, and that night the angel of the Lord, the covenant faithful one with the armies of heaven, went out and he struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people in Jerusalem arose early in the next morning, behold, nothing but dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who was actually a little ways away, laying siege to another place, departed and he went back to Assyria. He went back to Assyria. He went into the temple of his God. And while he was in the temple of his God, two of his sons came and assassinated him. Who won? Oh, man. Don't be messing with my God, because that'll be the last thing you ever do. I just want you to see the kind of relationship Israel had with their God. It was the kind of a thing, listen, we are overcomers. We're in him by faith, and do not be uh, dismayed. Do not be downcast. Do not be overwrought. Do not give up, because God is with us. In fact, Please, if you're right now feeling worn down, you're overwhelmed, you feel like you're being beaten up, you're on the ropes, you're about to fall, you want to throw the towel in, listen to the scriptures. Just listen to the scriptures. Just close your eyes and listen to the scriptures. 
Jude 1, 24 through 25. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, and that's what it says in the text, amen. Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be anxious and look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will surely help you. I will surely uphold you by my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41 and verse 13. For I am the Lord your God, the one who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, don't be afraid, I am helping you. Romans 8 verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118 verse 6. With Yahweh on my side, I will fear nothing. What can human beings do to me? Jeremiah 20 verse 11. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before my opponents, they will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Isaiah 54, verse 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their vindication from me declares the Lord. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your care on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Oh, let the word just wash over you. Where are you today? What's going on in your life today? What challenges are you coming up against? You see, in Jesus Christ, I am more than an overcomer. But that's not just an eternal positional truth. That's meant to be a practical experiential truth. It changes how you view life. It changes your attitude in the midst of the challenges. I will not be afraid because God is faithful. I will not give up because God is with me. And then lastly, and I'll give this out for those who want to keep their notes Nice and tidy. Some people don't like it when I cut things short and they can't finish their notes, so this is for you. Uh, I will not finish the thought, though. I will not be anxious because God is in control. Simply said, come behold the works of our covenant faithful one. Now he goes on to show the sovereign work of God in our lives. How he has brought desolations on the earth. How he is the one who makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. How he is the one who breaks the bow and shatters the spear. It is he who burns the chariots with fire. Be still. We like this verse. We often quote this verse. Usually out of context. It's a great verse though. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. In context, what it literally means is this. Stop striving. Stop being anxious. Stop worrying. Know that it is I 
God who does this. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts, the military name of God, he's with us. The God of Jacob is our mighty fortress, Selah. Think about it. Think about it. What are you going through right now? We're all usually going through something. What challenges are you encountering that are discouraging you? That are challenging your relationship with Christ and your faith? What is it? Uh, it's usually people. To be honest here, you know, there's no greater blessing in life than people. There's no greater pain in life than people. Isn't that just how it works, you know? Stuff comes in and stuff goes, but people are what seems to get our hearts excited and often weigh heavy on those same hearts. Is there a relationship in your life right now that just isn't good or isn't right and it's really got you overwrought? Maybe it's health issues. You know, Bambi and I just came back from Maine. We kind of did a circular route from Chicago across to New Hampshire to Maine and back, so it was kind of a weird travel. But, but in Maine, one of the things we realized was both of our sets of parents are physically getting to that point in life where every day is just a chore to maintain some kind of routine. It's especially hard on those who are the caregivers in those two relationships. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know who you've got in your life that maybe you need to care give to and it's a real, real challenge for you. Maybe you've got your own physical challenges. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But we all got stuff. We all got stuff. I just want to encourage you that in Jesus Christ by faith, you don't have to be afraid you don't have to feel like you're going to give up. You don't even have to be anxious. Because I am an overcomer in Christ by faith. Apply that. Apply that to your situation right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word Oh my gosh, Father, it's just amazing. Thank you for the opportunity to overflow your word uh, before this group of people here today. I pray that we would realize the truth of these, these scriptures and that it would change our view of life and it would change our attitude towards people and situations. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to give up. We don't have to be anxious because you're faithful and you are with us and you are in control. Lord, through your spirit, bring this truth home to each life in every unique situation for your glory in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great week.